Well, take your Bibles tonight. Uh, I'm really going to look at a particular word, one word, and this word is only used three times in the Bible. And uh, it, it, is a, it is a word that all of us need to, to be aware of because all of us could do it and we ought not to do it. And you're going to see tonight what happens if we do do this word. Notice with me, if you would, uh, Jeremiah chapter 42 and verse 20. And notice with me, the word is the third one in the sentence. For ye dissembled in your hearts when you sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. How many of us have ever said, you know, I, I, I'll do anything the Lord wants me to do. But our heart, if the Lord said, I want you to, and he filled in the blank, we'd say, I don't want to do that. That's what happened. And so the word dissemble is, I've listed it down a little bit later on, but let me just give you some of the definitions of the word. It's to pretend that you're interested. So they pretended to, the, to be interested to the Lord. It, it literally is to stray or to wander. So in their hearts, they strayed and wandered, but they tried to convince the Lord that they were all in. Now, folks, there's a lot of Christians like that. All of us could be like this. And you'll notice, if you would, uh, Roman number one in the outline, notice this, all the leaders of Israel came to Jeremiah to ask him to find out God's will for them. Now, you'll notice a little bit of a struggle here because they went to the preacher and said, hey, would you talk to God for us? Now, this is the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's what's called the priesthood of the believer. And that means that in the Old Testament, they would go to the priest and say, would you talk to God for me and tell me what he wants me to do? But in the New Testament, because Jesus has come and paid the debt for everybody, it's finished. Now, in the Old Testament, they'd offer a lamb every year to cover the sins of the people that prayed and said, Lord, I want to be forgiven. And so every year, their sin was covered by the high priest because of an offering. But then in the New Testament, the perfect lamb came, Jesus Christ. And that we just celebrated Christmas. That's his birthday. But if you were watching the song of How Great Thou Art, tremendous doctrine in there that he died on the cross to save my soul. And so everybody in this room can have forgiveness of sin that's eternal. So no more payment needs to be made for your sin. And that is the gift of God. It's called the gift of eternal life. Jesus paid for it. Now, because of that, in the Old Testament, the priest went into the presence of God how many times in a year? The high priest went into the presence of God how many times in the presence in, in a year? Somebody tell me. Stephen, once a year. And he had to go in, and the Bible says he wore bells on the bottom of his robe in case God killed him because there was sin in his life. They could drag him out, but nobody could go in there because the presence of God is so holy. 
Now, folks, tonight, I don't think most people in this world understand the holiness of God. When the Old Testament scribes would write the name of God, Yahweh, four letters, no vowels in Hebrew, each time they had write a letter, they would take that quill, write the letter, pray, burn it, because it would never write another letter in their alphabet because it started writing the name of God. That's how holy they viewed God. We take his name in vain in a heartbeat in many world, in many of our society. Oh, I just can't imagine how God is feeling in heaven today. Uh, how many times do we pray to him and, and uh, we lose our focus and we go do something else? Oh, I was talking to the Lord. Uh, how would we feel if we started, somebody started talking to us and then all of a sudden they just turned and walked away? And then a few hours later they came back, oh, I was talking to you, wasn't I? How much respect is that that we would show the creator of the universe, the God of heaven that knows all the stars and calls them by their names and knows everybody in this room and he knows about you when you were born, your birth date, and he loves you. And so all of a sudden, uh, the Old Testament priest gets the privilege of going in once a year, but he better be clean. So he would pray and ask God to forgive him, and, and uh, he would offer a lamb for his sin, and it would be covered over, and then he would walk into in trembling into the holy of holies where God was. So Jesus Christ died on the cross, and when he did, the moment he died, the Bible says that veil that was between the holy of holies and the holy place where the lamb was offered the blood was taken in and sprinkled upon the Holy of Holies. That veil was rent from top to bottom. Now, the important thing about that is this. How many of you have ever tried to rip a phone book in half? Anybody? Okay. How much progress did you make, Jeff? Okay. Now, which side did you start with? The pages side. Nobody starts with the binding that's the hard part. God ripped the veil with the binding first all the way down. And he was symbolizing the priesthood of the believer. Now, you don't need a high priest. You come to me yourself. It's open. Just come clean. Now, that is the privilege of a lifetime. If I went up to the White House today just to talk to the president, they would look at me, who are you? Well, I'd like to talk to the president. i got a question for him. Do you have an appointment? No. Uh, have, have you sent us your paperwork to make sure we know you're who you are? You say you are. I mean, I just went to a, 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 a retirement party for one of our men at the CIA, and he asked for everything about me, including my grandchildren nearly, just to get into that building. And so to go into the presence of the president, uh, they want to know your social security number. They want, I mean, they're going to, and they're going to have guards there. No, no, no. But the holy God of heaven says, I'm going to give you permission, rip, to come 
talk to me anytime that you're clean and you need something. Cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. Now, you tell me how much a privilege that is. That's without price. Okay. So these Jewish men said, hey, Jeremiah, would you go to God for us and tell us what he said he wants us to do? But in their hearts, they said, unless he tells us to do what we want, we're not doing it. And so a lot of Christians, they, they, they want to go into the presence of God with their own mindset and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? But they have no intention of obeying him. And he doesn't listen. He doesn't speak to them because they're dissembling in their hearts. And folks, you and I, when we want something selfishly, we're dissembling in our hearts. Now, I want you to see this passage and let it apply to your heart, whether you're a young person or whether you're an older person, whether you're single or married, uh, dissembling is possible for all of us. Does anybody remember the story of Barnabas? Now, Barnabas was one of the godliest men to ever live. Um, one day he got his heart right, got saved, and you know what he did? He owned land, and he was uh, a Levite. Does anybody know about the Levites? What about the Levites? There was a special rule for the Levites, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. What was the rule for the Levites? <clears throat> and they couldn't own land. The Lord was their inheritance. They were to serve the Lord. They were the preachers, the priests, you might say. Uh, they offered the lambs, and they, uh, and they did the service of the Lord. And the Lord says, I don't want you to have land. I'm going to provide you a, a big space, but you live there, but you don't own personal land because I am your inheritance. And so they said, okay, that, that's, that, that's wonderful. Well, Barnabas was the Levite, and he got right with God. When he got right with God, you know the first thing he did? He sold the land and gave it to the Lord. A, a signature move that I want them to do what's right. In other words, I, I've got something that I ought not to have, and I'm going to get rid of it and not have it anymore. I don't want anything between you and I, Lord. Well, that man Barnabas one day was eating with uh, some Gentiles, some other people, uh, and, and the Jewish leaders came in and said, what are you doing with the Gentiles? And he up and left them. And Paul said, wait a minute. You're supposed to treat everybody the same. There's no prejudice here anymore. It's not Jews and Gentiles. Jesus died for everybody. And the Bible says he dissembled. He then sort of pretended to be with the Gentiles, but oh, I got to be with the Jews. And so that word's used three times in Scripture. And here's the, 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 the second time it's used here, and I want you to see it. Notice, if you would, for ye dissemble in your hearts. In other words, you pretended to me that you wanted me to go to the Lord and find out God's will for you, and I did, and you lied to me. You had no intention of doing it. Now, I want to go through the out outline very quickly here. Notice <coughs> Roman number 1a. They wanted to know where God wanted them to live, <clears throat> Jerusalem or Egypt. Now, understand what had happened was 
Gedaliah was appointed by the Babylonian king as leader in Egypt. He had conquered, I mean, a leader in Israel. He had conquered the land of Israel, and he left his own man to run Israel. Well, some of these Jews didn't like it, so they killed him. Well, the remaining Jews said, uh-oh, we're going to be in trouble. And the Lord said, no, you're not. I'm going to protect you. And they said, but we don't want to be here. We're afraid. We want to move to Egypt. He said, don't move to Egypt. And they said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's get Jeremiah uh, to, to find out from God what God wants us to do. And so notice, if you would, <clears throat> B, God was not in their hearts. He was not close and personal to them, and they knew it. They wanted to look interested in God's will, but not be interested in God's will. So you'll notice, look in chapter 42 and verse number 2. And you tell me how sincere this sounds. And said in Jeremiah the prophet, let we beseech thee our supplication. Does anybody know what the difference between prayer and supplication in Scripture? What's the difference between prayer and supplication? Supplication is a prayer. What's the difference? Prayer is I'm talking with the Lord. Supplication is I'm pouring my heart out to God. And so, notice their sincerity. They said, we beseech thee our supplication. They knew all the right words. Be accepted before thee and pray for us unto the Lord thy God. So, the New Testament privilege of every Christian is, you don't need to come to me and say, Pastor, would you talk to God for me? Should I move into Ashburn or should I sell my house and move into Sterling? Should I be a doctor or should I be a lawyer? Lord, would you, Pastor, would you go find out what the Lord wants me to do? Nobody in this room ever has to ask that because the veil has been ripped and you have the privilege of talking to the Heavenly Father yourself. But he has to be your God. Notice the wording. Let we beseech thee, our supplication be acceptable, accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord, whose God? Thy God. Even for all this remnant, all of us people that are left. For we are left, but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. We've been killed off, we lost battle, we lost the battle of Babylon, and we're all that's left. <clears throat> so you'll notice in verse 3. That the Lord, again, thy God, may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. Well, Jeremiah, please go find out the will of God for us. And folks, tonight, one of the great privileges is, as being a child of God is you can talk to him for yourself. Lord, what would you like for me to do tomorrow? Should I, should I go talk to my boss and, and say, say I'm sorry about uh, I did this or I did that, or should I just forget it? And the, the Lord of heaven will give you peace in your heart and direct you to go talk to your boss. Lord, should I forgive that guy that said that about me last week? The Holy Spirit will give you peace in your heart and say, yes, you should. The Lord, your God, will guide your steps. And so notice here the sincerity of their request 
verse 3, that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk. Now, you get a clear impression in this passage that they intend to do what God wants them to do. But verse 20, notice in verse 20, for ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me unto the Lord your God. In other words, you had already made your decision before you sent me to talk to the Lord. And if he said, I want you to go to Egypt, you would have obeyed it in a heartbeat. But that was the decision you were going to make whether or not God said it or not. So many a time, Lord, I, I want you to answer this prayer, but this is what I want to do. If you'll answer it, I'll do it. If you don't, I'm not doing it. That's dissembling in our hearts. You see, Jesus, when he went to his father, he said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass me. But if not, thy will be done. And he went to the cross. If he were to dissemble in his heart, he said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass me. I don't want to die. And his father said, I want you to die. I'm not doing it. That's dissembling. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ was sincere in his prayer when he said, Lord, if it could be your will, Father, I don't want to die. Would you let that cup pass for me? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he did the will of the Father. The difference in dissembling is when your mind is made up when you pray. Notice, if you would, quickly in the outline, uh, see, they talked a lot about wanting to know and do God's will. We saw that in verse 5. I will, I am sure it encouraged Jeremiah. Jeremiah was thrilled. They want me to go find out what God wants them to do. That's a thrilling thing for a preacher. But notice D, their words were flattering to God. Lord, we'll do what you want. And they promised to obey him. Lord, we will follow you. And notice God even, E, God caused them to wait 10 days. They even waited for God's answer. Look, if you would, in verse number 7. And it came to pass after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. They didn't say like the Jews did at the first. Look, we waited 40 days and Moses is not coming off that mountain. We're going to make a golden calf do what we want to do. They waited 40 days. But they'd already made up their mind what they were going to do. And so now, 10 days, they're waiting. They're waiting for the will of God. Most Christians are not content to wait for God's direction. When Moses went up on the mountain, does anybody know how long? He was there 40 days. Does anybody know how long he waited before God said one word to him? Seven days. He waited. He intended to wait until God spoke. Many years ago, we had an African pastor come here. And he had some African uh, uh, preachers that, that knew and loved the Lord that were very ded dedicated South African pastors. And they, they were headed up a mountain, and they were going to go up on top of that mountain and talk to the Lord. And so this preacher that had come to our church says, well, uh, how, how long are you guys going to be there? And they said, we don't know. You don't know until God finishes talking with us. But how do you know? We'll know. 
We're going to go, well, how long are you going to wait? Until he talks to us. So we as Americans say, Lord, I got about 15 minutes. Can I talk to you? And, and, and if you'll tell me what to do, I'll do it. We schedule God. They were better than that. They waited seven days for God to answer before they did anything. Notice if you would, are we patient with like that to God? Well, notice with me if you would, uh, in, in Roman, two, Roman numeral two, God's answer was not what they wanted to hear. So they changed their minds about doing his will. And that's why in verse 20 it says they dissembled. Now, they didn't actually change their mind inside. They changed their minds outside to the prophet. We'll do whatever he wants us to do. And folks, you and I, we can't do that to the Lord. We have this open door, this open of the curtain and the veil to talk with the Lord about any burden that we have. Uh, you know, casting all your care upon me, for I care for you. Uh, the Lord is saying that in 1 Peter chapter 5. He loves you. But we can't come in to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need to talk to you. I need to know what your will is. But I got my mind made up in my heart. The Lord doesn't bless that. So now notice very quickly, if you would, I want you to see this. Look, A in the outline, God told them he would bless them if they stayed in Israel and followed him. Look at verse 10. If ye will ab still abide in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. In other words, the Lord said, you didn't do what's right, and I punished you. <clears throat> my mother always, uh, you know, my mother believed in. <clears throat> corporal punishment. If I didn't do what's right, she spanked me. So when I brought my first report card home, I still remember in the first grade, and I had a C in writing, and she said, did you get your report card? Now, I thought that was deceptive. She already knew. She was testing me. And I said, nope. She looked at me. She says, David Lee, you guys get your report card. Well, I went over and got my report card and showed it to her. And she said, you're going to get a spanking for lying. So you know what? I don't lie because I still remember that. Um, and so I look here in this passage, and the Lord said, I have disciplined you because you didn't do what was right. And I regret the Babylonians coming in and taking over your land and destroying much of Israel, but you're what's left, and I love you, but you've got to do what's right. And they were still dissembling in their heart. And folks, we have to be careful of that. The Lord knows our hearts. And he wants to bless us. Well, notice if you would, verse 11. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon. Now, I like it when the Lord tells me, Dave Pittman, don't you worry about a thing. That's what he's saying here. Of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. Here's the promise of God. You stay in Jerusalem and I'll bless you and I'll protect you from him. <clears throat> I know one of you killed Gedaliah. That was his representative, but 
I'm not going to let him touch you. I'm done with punishment. I'm going to bless you now if you'll just obey. Okay, Lord, <coughs> we're afraid, so we're going to yield to our fears. A, a person comes to church. They hear the gospel. They know they're not saved. They know they need to trust the Lord, or they know they need to give up some sin in their life, and the Holy Spirit touches their heart, and they say, Lord, I'm afraid. People here might laugh at me. Nobody knows you, but uh, they might laugh at me. Nobody's ever laughed in church. I've ever seen about somebody coming forward. In 50 years, I've never seen anybody laugh. How many of you ever watched somebody laugh coming down the aisle? Hey, he's going forth to get right. I've never, ever seen that in my life. But Satan sat right there and said, they're going to laugh at you. So who are you going to listen to? I'm afraid. The Lord said, I'll be with you. And I'll never forget the night I got, the morning I got saved, I started the first step down the aisle and there was peace in my heart and I knew it was going to be okay. The second I decided to do God's will and I stopped dissembling, waffling back and forth. Lord, I'd like to go. I will go. If you haven't played one more verse, I'll go. And that preacher played another verse. And what, Lord, another verse and I'll go. And he played another verse. And he looked and he said, you know, I just feel like, uh, in many services I was in, they said, I just feel like somebody here needs to make a decision. We're going to play one more verse for you. Oh, Lord. Okay. Next verse, I walked down the aisle. What I'm trying to say to you, I was dissembling in my heart because of fear of what people might think. That happens to us all the time. Notice, if you would, in the outline. B. They let Jeremiah know they were not going to do God's will and were going into Egypt to worship the queen of heaven. It's not like they weren't even going to obey. They were going to worship a different God. Look at verse 25. Uh, you, you'll notice, if you would, uh, chapter uh, 44 and look at verse 25. What he says, <clears throat> he says, Thus saith the Lord of, God, of hosts, the Lord God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths. And fulfill with your hands, saying, we will surely perform our vows that we have vowed. So this is a new year. And you say, Lord, I'm going to read my Bible through. Do it. I'm going to pray for such and such. Do it. I'm, I'm going to consider getting my heart right. Do it. Whatever you've promised the Lord, whatever you've discussed with the Lord, don't dissemble. Don't pretend to God that you're going to do right and not do it. So notice what he says. And fulfill with your hands, saying, we will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out our drink offerings unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. He said, look, you're going to do that because you promised you're going to do it in your heart. But he said, you promised me and I want you to do it. So you and I have to make a decision. Are we going to, are we going to do what we want to do? Are we going to do what we've promised the Lord we would do? Notice, with, quick me if you would, verse number <clears throat> B1. They dissembled in their hearts to go astray. Once you make the decision, <coughs> I'm going to ask the Lord, but I'm not going to do that. Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, but not that. You've gone astray. And you have to fix that or it will ruin you. So notice, they dissembled in their hearts. They wanted to see if God 
would allow them to go to Egypt as his will. But if not, they were going anyway. Notice, too, they never really considered that when they disobeyed. Notice, God would punish them. <clears throat> Look at 44:17. We will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. Do you sense the arrogance? Folks, we have to be careful. God loves us. He has ripped the veil, and the price of ripping the veil from the top to the bottom was the blood of his own son. So you and I could come into his presence and talk to him as the high priest could once a year. We can do it every day. So do you realize the privileges we have? You're special people. You're a child of God that he says, come, cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. Lay your burdens down. Tell me how I can help you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He gives us all these promises, and we go into his presence and say, say Lord, what do you want me to do? But I'm not going to do that. We, we just need to be careful because the Lord doesn't appreciate us not going in with palms up, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. The Lord is a good God. He's not going to ask you to do something foolish. He's not going to ask you to go sell your house and give all the money away. He doesn't do that. He might ask you to sell your house and do something with part of the money because you want it all. But he will provide a better house many times if we trust him. Notice, if you would, three, they were lifted up with pride. I'm not going to pause there. Pride, A, gives us a wrong attitude. Did you notice the attitude in verse 17 of chapter 44? We will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our mouth. And you can't stop us. Now, that's not in the Hebrew text, but that's the attitude. Notice, B, 3B, pride makes us want what's best for us in our sight. Notice, <clears throat> Number four, they covered the sins of their wives instead of confessing and forsaking them. Look with me, if you would, in 44, 15. Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods, they were worshiping other gods. And all the women that stood by a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros answered Jeremiah saying, as for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. So I just want you to see when you and I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And we don't fully intend to do everything he says. We've dissembled in our hearts. And notice, <clears throat> see, God destroyed all that went into Egypt except a small remnant. Look, if you would, in 44, look at verse number, uh, verse number 28. Yet a small number that escaped the sword shall return out of the land of Egypt into the land of Judah, and all the remnant of Judah that are gone into the land of Egypt to sojourn there shall know whose word shall stand, mine or theirs. God takes it as a personal challenge. 
and says, my word will stand, yours will not. And he said, everybody that goes into Egypt, except a very few, are going to die in Egypt. And I'm going to bring that few out, and I'm going to bless them. Because it wasn't in their hearts. Now, notice if you would see in the outline, we, number three, we must seek God's will day to day with a pure and honest heart. We must always be willing to accept his will and rejoice in it. In his will, we will have our richest blessings. Folks, you can't outgive God. It's not possible. And so if you give him the choice in your life, he will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. If he touches your heart to do something and you do it, and Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, He's going to bless you. Oh, you might say, well, what happens if he asks me to go to Africa? It'll be the best trip of your life. What happens if he asks me to give money? Uh, he'll, he'll take care of that and multiply your money that you have left. You cannot outgive the Lord. But we could not, cannot, must not say, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to go to church regularly, Lord. I want to be more faithful to read my Bible. Lord, I want to be more faithful to pray. But I am busy. You can't do that. The Lord Jesus told a little story that you and I have to remember. Told the story of Mary. Mary said, what can I, I gotten saved. What can I do? What can I give the Lord because I love him? And she went and got a little alabaster box that had her life savings in it. She said, I can give this to him. This will convince him that I love him. So it's got sweet fragrance in it. She breaks the box, pours it on his head. It's all lost on Jesus. And the disciple says, why was this waste made? They looked at the value of the box. Jesus looked at the sincerity of the heart. And he said, everywhere the gospel is preached, when you tell people how to be saved and they get saved, tell them what Mary did. She gave her best. She gave everything with no reserve. And you know, tonight, let's not dissemble. Lord, I want to serve you, but not there. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do, but I won't tell you, I'm sorry there. Lord, I'll do this, but I won't. Don't come into the new year with your mind made up of what you want to do. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. But, Lord, what you say, I will do it. Let's bow our heads for the prayer tonight. I'm going to ask the pianist to come and just play a verse of imitation hymn. Maybe you're here tonight, and you and the Lord are having a struggle. He wants you to do something, and you're struggling to do it. Could I encourage you? Surrender. If you've already promised the Lord Lord, I want to be more faithful. Lord, I want to read my Bible. Lord, I, I, I want to pass out tracts. Lord, I want to be whatever it might be. I want to encourage you, put the Lord first and do what you promised, and he'll bless you. Lord Jesus, speak to hearts tonight. Help us, Lord, to make this the greatest year of our lives in total trust for you. In your name we pray, amen.